Hello, this is Matt Hale bringing you the Art Monthly Talk Show on Resonance FM, which is also available on DAB in London. So if you wish to listen to this in the digital form, you can on the DAB radio. But it's also available on podcast on Art Monthly's website. And there's a button on the homepage called Events, and you can push that. And then all of the talk shows going back many years, actually, now, I hate to think how many, are there available for you to listen to. And Lisa Lefervre, I think I'm saying your name right. Tell me if I'm saying Lefervre right. It's perfect. OK, Lisa Lefervre is with me today in the studio. We're in a small studio upstairs in Residence because there's only two of us. Um, has been on the programme before mm. quite a while ago. I think something in the region of 2000. Seven or something. I, mean, I think that's really, right. Which actually makes it ten years ago, which is slightly concerning. But we were just saying earlier before we came in that actually we believe maturity and age are a good thing. I think so. Wisdom. <laughs> and the programme is getting older. <laughs> With me too. And my colleague Chris McCormack, who does the other programme, we now share every other programme, Chris and I. Um, but this is my turn this time. And we've just managed to squeeze in. Residents have just come back from holiday. And this is their first day back. Anyway... Having said all that, and one more thing I must say, which I always have to say, is you can subscribe to Art Monthly's magazine, by the way. Um, currently, £36, direct debit. Again, push a button on the website and you can very easily set that up, and we hope you will, because the idea of the programme is that you are listening to us discuss feature article this time in the magazine, and it's the September issue, which is number 409, and the programmes generally are to promote the magazine really but it works both ways these days because in a sense you know talking about things is as important as writing about them we feel and um that's what we're going to try and do for a while now um lisa's written a feature as we call them um now i don't know what um i always say this because it's kind of i think it's important really but you may not have given it a title your piece but we called it public question mark sculpture question mark and then a little intro did you did you have a title for your work to tell you the truth matt i didn't i spent a lot of time in fact in truth maybe 3 or 4 hours <laughs> trying to think about the best title and then to tell you the truth again i thought you know what I'll leave it to the experts. Yeah, because we probably pinch it off you anyway. I mean, <laughs> quite often the title that's written doesn't quite get you. But anyway, but it, well, I'll, t- I'll read out what we, what we said very briefly, because um, we now do these little intros, and it says, Public sculpture is everywhere, yet it is in crisis, argues Lisa Lefebvre. In this year's edition of Munster Sculpture Projects, questioned the very concept of sculpture as object, as well as what is meant by public. Does public sculpture have a future? And if so, is it a permanent one? Now... I'm going to keep talking, so forgive me, Lisa, because I do this. I think it's sometimes useful to say what the conclusion is in the piece. Now, I'm not going to, I don't mean I'm going to read the whole thing out, but you basically say at the very end, I, that's Lisa Lefebvre, would like to argue for sculpture in the public realm to persist, but that it should be temporary and refuse to compromise. So keep that in mind, listener, um, because that's sort of where our conversation is coming mm-hmm. from, because that's your... And by the way, Lisa is a curator, writer and editor now, and I think is going to have a, a new job elsewhere soon. Um, secret cannot be revealed. <laughs> I was going to say, is it involved in the public sphere in any way? But I don't I think, I mean, let's leave that for now. Um, but you were head of sculpture studies at the Henry Moore Institute between 2010 and 17. So recently mm. not there, but been there a long time. And as you said, you know, sometimes it's good to be somewhere for a particular length of time, mm. like mm. six or seven years is 
about right. And that, I think you're probably right, really. Mm. We get a bit stale. I've, I've been there in my job for way over that. So as you can tell, I'm completely stale. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think my thinking behind that is, in fact, connected to the very idea of discussing, discussing ideas. Because what we have to do if we work in this realm of art, is we are here to raise questions. And if you're focusing on a certain area, there's only really so long you can ask particular questions. And for me, and I think for you, and I think for Art Monthly, we all really believe that art is a problem. So when you read out um, Art Monthly's synopsis, I have to admit, there's one word that made me slightly cringe. Do you say what it is? Crisis. Right. Um, this is a bit dramatic, isn't it, really? It, I think it is a bit, <laughs> a bit dramatic because... That's the journalist in somebody. Crisis, crises are everywhere. I think the question of public, the question of sculpture, these are things that are worth talking about. Mm. It's less that it's a crisis because... To tell you the truth, everything is in crisis. Yeah, and, and in a way, compared to some things in real life, yeah. public sculpture is not really that important. We have to put it in perspective. <laughs> yes, although, I, you know, and the belief in art is that actually that's, to me, where the life, you know, it peaks, that it's like we are, everything is going towards the ability for people to have rich human lives, mm -hmm. and art is a reflection of that. We've won that battle. You know, we, we can keep mm -hmm. making art. We can keep talking about things. I mean, not, it, you know, that's a good thing to aim for. So mm -hmm. it is important as an aim, isn't it, mm -hmm. art? So it has its importance. So anyway, I'm waffling away. But, um, but basically, you do really base your, um, quite a bit of your feature around Munster sculpture projects mm -hmm. and also documenta to a degree. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and basically these kind of re recurring event, mm -hmm. major events, international events, really, yeah. aren't they? Um, I mean, just to begin with, you, you, you quote um, the origin of Munster Sculpture Projects yeah. at the beginning of your piece. What did he say? Yeah, Who Ka is he? Kasper Koenig, he has been the artistic director of Munster Pro Sculpture Projects, which happens every 10 years since it begun. Um, and the reason why I'd like to propose that these periodical large-scale exhibitions are so important is their temporariness. So imagine an exhibition that takes place once a decade. That means that you are proposing a sustained argument on a particular topic, but you have 10 years to ruminate on it to research it, to ask questions. Now, of course, anyone who is either an arts administrator or a curator or a museum director will be saying, hold on a second, it's not really like that. And, of course, it's not really like that. You have to do a lot of logistics and so on. But that sense of questions in the back of your mind, I think that's really, really important. And then with Munster, it's an exhibition in public space. And exhibitions are temporary. They have a start point, an end point, a duration. People go to see them. So what I love about Munster is it's an exhibition in public space. So that's the very premise for its existence. Um, and it started out with a problem. And I love problems so much. As, as instigators of 
things that happen. Com- you know. Completely, because and in fact, I think this is very relevant for public art. Um, if we try and think about solutions or a consensus, we just sit around and going, mm, that's really lovely, I agree with you. That's not what art is for. If, to steal your words, Matt, public art and art is a pinnacle of independent thinking, then independent thinking has to be obstructive, argumentative. It has to make problems. And to put our internal problems in this tiny world of art in public is really important because it can shift ideas even just by a couple of degrees. And with that, the world really can change. And I think with Munster, it's, it's an international landmark exhibition. So as someone interested in sculpture, in the political power of art, I'm excited about this once every 10 years exhibition. I'll travel to see it. I want to talk about it. And I want to learn from it. Have you been a few times? Um, I, I have to say, I've never been. You've never been? Yeah, which is sinful. I've been to Documenta. Okay. Which is not too far away. It's further south in Castle. Yeah. But uh, no, but that's n- in a way neither here nor there. But, but you have been, presumably, more than once. Well, it's not neither I mean, here nor so there. How, how many times has it happened? It's five. So it began in 1977. 77, every 10 years. Yeah. So. Um, So I think it's very relevant that you haven't been, actually, because of these kinds of exhibitions, there's not just the direct experience of them. You will feel, I'm sure, that you can talk about Munster, have an opinion on it, because of all of the reviews and conversations around it. Yeah, the spin-off effect. Completely. And that's what these big exhibitions do. It's not just about the thing, it's about the ripples that come out from the thing. Um, So I've been twice, and what's interesting with Munster, every 10 years, firstly, you can certainly age people by how many times they've been, Um, but it's also something to do with memory. So when I was there this year, I bumped into a few friends of mine, and it was their first time there. So they were looking at sculptures from this year, from 2017, but then also sculptures that were still in the city from previous iterations, whereas I'd had the honour of having been there before, so I could concentrate on this year's sculptures. I also saw friends who've been there three times, four times. Mm. They knew it even better than me. So public sculpture is about memory, um, and I think we can't get away from that. Right. So they're commissioned to be there for... I mean, are they meant... So although it's a, it, it happens every 10 years and it's therefore kind of temporary, the works, some of them, all of them, get to stay? Mm. Well, as I understand it, um, the city has the option or the owners of the buildings, the locations where yeah. the sculptures are installed, have the option of making this impermanent sculpture permanent. And that's really, really fascinating. Yeah. So an artist will conceive of their work as being up for three and a half months or so, and then it might become permanent. Yeah. And permanence is so different from impermanence. Yeah, I was going to say, because, I mean, the, the whole thing about permanent sculpture is, is the, and the difference between that and temporary mm. 
is it in terms of the conception, the artist's way of mm. thinking about the commission, as it were, mm. will be very different. I would suggest, mm. in many cases, uh, but not all. I mean, I the fact you come from Henry Moore Institute. Um, Henry Moore was mentioned in, a, in an article by Dave Beach, which appeared in Art Monthly, and 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 basically Henry Moore said, well, there was two things. There was art in the pub, art in the public mm. arena or public art has become... So there's two phrases. And Henry Moore said, well, I don't actually go and make work specifically for that commission and for that space. What I do is go to the space, look at it, and see what work I've got or mm. that I might be going to make anyway and what would be best to put there, which I thought was quite interesting because he didn't mm. cite specifically make work, as it were. Mm. And then now people talk about something different, which is you know, site specificity mm. and and also, you know, making work for particular commissions, often um, for, for percent for art, for mm. instance, for, for, for buildings. Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not trying, I'm just trying to open this up fractionally yeah. because it's very, it's so complicated. And I was interested, therefore, that some of these works might be permanent in Munster. But then we have in to... In the end... We have to analyse all of our terms. I love doing this. Yeah, which we should. What, what does permanence mean? Mm. So if you have a museum, a permanent display is generally, this is a broad generalisation, taken as being a decade. Right. Now, a decade is not No, that it's not long. that long, really. Well, we just said the radio programme has been going for longer than that. And it seems really? to have flown by to me, so <laughs> I agree. So it's it's all... Relative, but then you also have to remember, and this is so crucial, that all art, and I would really like to argue that all art has a responsibility and engagement with publics. Um, all art will be encountered by multiple publics, and those multiple publics will be changing all of the time. So if we define the the artwork as being in the moment of encounter, it's always going to be temporary. Because if we just think about ourselves... The experience is temporary. The experience is is temporary. So think about, I don't know, if you're in a certain mood one day, you'll be more perceptive. Mm. If the light is a certain way, you'll see a sculpture slightly differently. Mm. You might completely walk past, I don't know, the wonderful Richard Serra sculpture at Liverpool Street Station. You might ignore it. But then one day someone says, do you know there's a Serra sculpture there? Mm. And your eyes are reopened. So that sense of the um, temporal nature of perception, yeah, I think is so important. Yeah, yeah. So the, the idea that something, in a sense, so could be described as sort of boringly permanent, because mm. mm. you do actually come up with quite a humorous idea, I thought, although someone else I know didn't think it was how funny, thought it was a good idea, was that sculptures might descend into the ground for a while and yeah. then come up again later yeah. on at some unspecified time so they became permanently temporary I mean, I think which i thought be, was a very interesting notion actually it, it would be great imagine a major city square or plaza somewhere yeah. and there's a desire to have a piece of permanent sculpture mm. but imagine if it wasn't there all the time you could just retract it yes. and maybe another one another one came up and another one would i mean up. you could just have it so you went and you didn't know what would be up or down yeah. and then that would be interesting in itself. And then, of course, you have the fiction around it as well. Right. Um, How do you mean? So are these sculptures really there 
Right. Or are they not there? In fact, there was a brilliant piece of work many, many years ago. I think, um, I might be incorrect, but I think in the 1980s, by uh, Jochen Gertz, where he made a piece of public art that involved picking up all the stones in a public square and carving the initials of individuals who had perished during the Holocaust underneath them. And then um, no one could see it. Absolutely no one could see it. And there was a public outcry. But did he really do it? Did mm. he not really do it? Mm. It was, again, that ripple effect, the rumours yeah. of public sculpture. Which is, which is something I... I mean, I only mentioned Day Beach briefly, mm. but it's because Art Monkeys had the fe- features not really so much about sculpture. Mm. And that's something I was quite interested in because you obviously, possibly because of your Henry Moore Institute position are very interested in sculpture yeah. you know rightly so brought, brought bring that up but Dave talks about public art and definitions of that and so does Mark Wilshire talk about public public what's the public and this and one of the definitions which I shan't really read because I'm not an authority on philosophy but they basically quote on some philosophers who say really well fundamentally in the end public is about discussion so it's not so much about it's the place mm-hmm. In other words, what we think of as the, the Trafalgar Squares mm. of the world, you know, being public spaces. Mm. But actually, what's public is when people get together and talk. So they bring private things together, mm. and those private things become public because they meet each other, and they and then they get tested and discussed. So, in other words, it can be public can be different places. Yeah. So. I'm not quite. I've forgotten why I'm bringing this up now. But, I mean, I, but... I really agree with that that definition, and I think um, Dave Beach and Mark Wilshire they they also through philosophy really talk about the political power of public art. Yes, yes. Um, and for me, the most powerful definition of politics was um, or is by Jean Luc Nancy, and he writes in a book called The Coming Community about the difference between politics and the political. And I love this so much. And he says that the political is like a community, a common square, a public meeting point where people come together to debate for public discussion. And it's not about consensus. It's about dissensus. And then he says that's the political Politics is the administration of that. Of that, yes, absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I think the coffee shop was was mm. named by Dave as, as the original public yeah. sphere mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and you also mention an, another a, a, a woman. Uh, I'm going to do terrible. I'm going to forget her name. <laughs> I'm going to say it, and you're going to wait while I quickly scramble about Susan Lacey. Yeah. Um, tell me, I mean, you mentioned her. Why did you mention her? Susan Lacey's an artist, and she wrote an incredibly important book called New Genre Public Art. Um, and it's a book that I remember maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, if I'm truthful. It was required reading for everybody interested in art. And she was really saying that when it comes to placing art in the public realm... Every artist, every commissioner, every curator had a political, social, ethical, locational, if that's a word, responsibility. And she demanded that all these various players stepped up and took on this responsibility. And she really argues that we needed to move away from monumental, 
public, commemorative, solid, immovable sculpture. And it's one of these books that I'm not sure, I suspect it's not on reading lists anymore. And I really think that now is the time to look at this really influential, really important um, break in debates around public sculpture. And for me, I really want to come back to sculpture in the discussion about public art. Yeah. Why, 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 why particularly? I mean, I've mentioned it about yeah. the Henry Moore thing. Mm. I mean, well, I'd, I'd like to answer in two different ways. However you like. If I may. As many ways as one, you like. We've got plenty of time. One, if you can bear with me, right. I want to be a little bit polemical about sculpture and I've got this fervent belief in, in sculpture. Um, for me, art must be democratic and democratic means it needs to be capable of speaking to absolutely everybody, whether you're interested in it or not interested in it. And I really believe that sculpture is fundamentally the most democratic way that we can make art. So as human beings, we have to admit, life is quite hard. It's difficult. There's always problems. And often when we think we're trying to do something, some kind of object gets in the way. So you said at the beginning of the program, we're sitting on a small, in a small studio. We're really quite tightly squeezed. We needed to wheel in chairs. We had to negotiate objects with other objects. So that negotiation of our relationship to objects is just daily practice. Then when we have a problem, so we don't have a cup of tea, but if we did have a cup of tea, we would need to make an object in this tiny studio to put that cup on. Otherwise, we'll spill it all over the equipment here. So we make an object to try and find our place in this space. So as human beings, we make objects to make sense of this impossible world. Sculpture is all about human beings' relationship with objects. And we all know how hard life is. We all know about objects. So that makes sculpture so fundamentally democratic. I think at the moment when we talk about public art, too often we forget about sculpture. We talk about art in a very generic way instead of the specific historical trajectory of sculpture. So that's my polemic, as it were. And in relation to this iteration of Sculpture Projects Munster, um, I'm going to give two caveats, so I'm nervously going to say something a little bit co controversial or critical or even negative here, which I don't like doing. Um, I am so excited by Sculpture Projects Munster. So probably two years ago, I put the dates in my diary. I made sure I could go um, because it is somewhere that takes the temperature of art in the democratic, if it can be that, public realm. But this year, I have to admit, I was disappointed. If it was Sculpture Munster, it needs to look at sculpture. The three-dimensional, fundamentally. The three-dimensional. The physically three-dimensional. And, and also that particular history as well. If it was called Art Projects Munster, I would sit here and say it was marvellous, it was wonderful. Well, maybe I wouldn't, but I would be very, very positive about mm. it. But for me, it did not address sculpture. It had some brilliant work in the exhibition. Um, Hito Stiles' work, I think, is 
just fantastic. That was a, a, a film installation or video installation? A video installation. In, in, in a private lobby? In a, in a private... a bank or something? That, that's exactly it. Um, and it was looking at um, different senses of the human body, whether it's the automated human body, the human body in a conflict zone. A brilliant piece of work. But in terms of how it fits into the debate of sculpture, it doesn't bear so much on it. And no. I think that um, for sculpture studies and because sculpture is so important, we need to think about its specifics. And that's really why I wanted to raise these questions. So you didn't think he was looking at sculpture using a camera? Do you know what I mean? So mm. say the robot's three-dimensional object... Mm. He films the, ro the robot, and I have to say I haven't seen mm. it, so you, you mm. fill me in. But, but that's a way of looking, filming, mm. and if you film a three-dimensional thing, I mean, you know, for instance, if you filmed a Henry Moore sculpture, yeah. but I agree that mm. the form of the work yeah. by... style ...is not mm. sculpture. But I don't have such a narrow definition of sculpture. I mean, I think this work... Um, that Hattie Star made, she does really address sculptural thinking, the body in space, um, three-dimensionality. But then we're thinking about a temporary exhibition here. So with an exhibition, um, there's a great thing that the artist, well, the sculptor Fred Sambach said, in an exhibition, every single individual artwork needs to be a good neighbour because that what is what the exhibition becomes. Heiter Stahl's work is a great neighbour, but it's in the context of an exhibition that doesn't necessarily um, lay out a curatorial argument that's thinking through the problems of sculpture. It's thinking through the problems of art. And I'm completely aware I'm being pedantic. And... Well, no, but I think if you go to a show that, is, that says sculpture is the first word... Mm. I mean, it's, if you're doing that, you're already adopting an interest or showing an interest in sculpture. Mm, I think that's it. And, as, and, and they are by using the title. Yeah, so if we want to think about what we can learn about sculpture over the last decade and over the coming decade, I would say I'm disappointed. But if we're talking about a good exhibition that's engaging with urgent and relevant questions for how we think about ourselves in the world, how we think about art, then it's an important It succeeds. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's the terminology. And I think words are powerful. Yeah. yeah. Art Monthly, we all read it. It's those words are powerful. Someone needs to think about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And, and it, I'm, I'm interested in, in this when you link it to public. Mm. I mean, the thing that's happened, I suppose... I have not I've got anything great big to say here, but the public has become a much more complicated notion has as it well. More well, more well complicated? What I, what I, all I mean by that really is I'm just thinking about things like the whole digital side of life, where there's a sort of discussion going on, however thin, on Facebook or wherever, is a form of public space. And, there, and therefore, no, but what I mean is the, the sculptural, mm. the, 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 the notion of public being, sorry, of sculpture being three-dimensional and public space being physical space mm. where mm. we walk about mm. and, and, mm. and interact physically with each other, mm. which is 
what I always think of first when, I, when someone says public art, I think first of all of, of somewhere outside, yeah. I think of somewhere where people meet and mm. bump into each other, usually like a shopping centre or somewhere. But then, actually now, there's this all other pressure from a whole load of new forms of where people meet. I suppose that's what yeah. I mean, really. Now, it doesn't necessarily impact on sculpture. Well, I, th- I think it does, actually. But I wonder if it really is true that public space has got more complicated. I think that the beauty of being alive and in the present is we always think our version of the present is the most complicated present. And the digital realm, it could be public space, but if we were talking, let's say, 100 years ago, could we claim that the space of literature, a shared idea of literature... As an equivalent, you mean? As an, as an equivalent. Yeah. Because it's a another understanding i mean it might be stretching the point a little bit but i think the idea of public is always changing always always changing yeah Uh, for me the most resonant thing within this discussion for me is the idea of whether public is about discussion so Mm. i thought i i fall with your idea particularly of the temporary Mm. sculpture Mm. because that seems to me to be where well, I think there's a notion that, that temporary sculptures would be commissioned mm. with less difficulty than permanent sculptures, by which yeah. I mean that they, they, whoever's commissioning it knows they're not going to be there forever. Mm. So therefore they might take a bit more risk. So therefore the potential for the artist to be able to push a bit more and, and push the discussion mm. or mm. discussions or some kind of, you know, further mm. because they know that they it's not forever. I think, I think that's I right. Thought, so I thought that was a good reason for the, for the yeah. temporary. I think temporary is important. And we were talking earlier about uh, a pronouncement by Caspar Koenig. So we invited him at the Henry Moore Institute to give our annual academic open day lecture. And he was asked in the question period, what advice would you give to any city wanting to do something along the lines of Munster Sculpture Projects. And he said, concisely and precisely, make nothing permanent. Um, And he didn't expand so much on it, but he was very, very clear. And I think you're right. It enables more risk to take place. And I really think that the fourth plinth on Trafalgar Square, I think it's a brilliant yeah, for this reason, that it for is not reason. permanent. And you might think, oh, I really am not interested in X sculpture. Well, that's great, because you can think about why you're not interested, and you know that next year there'll be something else. Yeah. Um, so that sense of disagreement is really, really important. But then think about a permanent public sculpture. That is a commitment. You need to clean it. You need to look after it. You need to care for it. Well, it needs to be designed in a way that will last. I mean, yes. I mean Richard Serra's, uh, uh, we mentioned him earlier, mm. the, the one in the city. Yeah. Um, but however, it's probably on private land, isn't it? I don't know. I'm, yeah. it's, there was a load it's of discussion about what's, what's public, because yeah. actually what a lot of people think is public yeah. is right of way yeah. over private owned and, yeah. property, which actually, if they decided to take it down, I don't know what kind of, con- of contract um, Sarah mm-hmm. has. But that interests yeah. me. Cause... I, I think that's private and public in terms of the actual land where a Yeah, that's a different kind sits. of definition, isn't it? Because public, 
And it, it is public. Really. And a really, really important one too, because um, if we think that art, going again back to what you said at the beginning of the programme, is this um, indicator that we're debating and arguing and we have the space to share ideas, if that's true, then art in the public realm needs to be argumentative and difficult. And if one is a, a private landowner and trying to promote a particular part of the city, you're less likely to do that. So it's the same as, I don't know, art, let's say, in a commercial context is going to be very different from art in a publicly funded museum context, which in turn will be different from an independent project space context. Um, so sometimes art in public can be decoration or it can be trying to do some sort of social amelioration. Yeah, I mean, at one point, I think you said something about art, art, art can be like design. Yeah. Or it can be a design solution. I know that I was I trying to remember so. the name of the art, but there was something in, in the Peterborough or somewhere mm. where, where basically, they, you know, it's basically an artist gets to design a walkway. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of, how do you make, going from this point we've made yeah. to that point we've made over there, nicer than it is but at the that, moment. That's not art, is it? It's, well, this is that I would agree with you. Yeah. No, it's it's something that is to to provide a solution. And I think instead of calling it art, we should call it what it is, which is design, mm. and place it within that context. Yeah, and, and not and as you say, not in a pejorative exactly. Term. Just but, let's be clear yeah. what you are. Design is brilliant and important, yes. and it orientates us. Um, whereas it's not there to. If it's not there making problems, it's not there to contribute to an intellectual context. And I'm not saying that design isn't intellectual. It's a different remit. No, but for instance, you might you might design a wonderful house, um, and I have some friends called Chance de Silva who do just that. <laughs> and they've made one called Vex recently down in Stoke Newington. It's mm. an amazing space. But what I would say they would... It's a, it's a space to be creative yeah. in. Mm. So they design a wonderful space... It may be an artwork or it may not be. That would be arguable and you have to go and see it. But when you're in it, mm. you can be creative. Yeah. So the design is to help to encourage creativity. As with many buildings, they are mm. there to help creativity mm. occur, mm. which I think is really important. Just going back, I, 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 I like plugging mates, but um, John <laughs> Franklin, mm. well-known... Um, I, th I don't know if you'd call him a sculpture or not, really. I, I'd like to call him a sculpture. I think I, I think. would. But he... Just in terms of the, the relationship which artists have with the public, well, with public art, as you could call it, and with the public sphere, he he did these um, huge stones. Well, I think one was called Boulder Two, mm. and they're in um, the park down in... Uh, in Shoreditch Hatton, Park. In Shoreditch. Yeah, yeah and, and Mably Green, I think. But he's had to got a petition up at the moment because the public, you know, the council commissioned them, Deutsche Bank helped pay for it. Mm. Peer, the uh, wonderful Ingrid Svensson, you mm. know, got this. And the massive bowls are brought from somewhere down, I think, in the West Country, I'm not sure, massive mm. lorries put there. Um, and they are just rocks, fundamentally. Yeah. They're wonderful, natural rocks and, and they're granite. Just in the middle of a park. I get to know them very, very well because I go running in that park. Good, OK. And they're brilliant, these yeah. objects. Now, they were on originally on flat ground, yeah. and you could see them, and they looked like they'd come out of space and been plummeted to the ground and dropped or something. Mm. And they were also very good for climbing, on by for climbers and everything like that. But the current council is has put 
earth up the side of one and they've started to to change the landscape all around it so they've planted trees they've made the instead of the ground being flat it's become um hilly and basically they really have actually broken the contract yep. with john yeah that where his concept was it would be like this and you will see them from afar what the hell is Mm-mm. that where's that come mm-hmm. from you arrive and to a degree you'd say i mean it's not a a, a a, a, a shouty debate that he's creating, but you would, it would, it would instill discussion. I would say in 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 mm. all kinds of things to do with to do with longevity because these these rocks were there possibly could be there forever. They're mm. older than than many <laughs> anybody looking at them, and they're somehow untouched in a way. And the hands off approach of John is just marvellous. But anyway, they're being interfered with by the council because mm. the vision is being spoiled. And I think that's one of the problems a lot of people artists have with joining in with the public art mm. method of working is that this mm. compromise but then which it, you talk about goes on it, and, and the debate but you don't want to spend your life as night discussing compromising with councillors no you, you mustn't but you know councillors I, I like councillors yes, I think they're go on, get, pick it up I, fight I, back <laughs> I think councillors are invariably really intelligent human beings who are there to make a difference to the life of us the public and I think it's about when an artist comes into an agreement with a councillor and a councillor is to have the administration rights I have to admit I love administration you have a contract and you make it really really clear so I would say that what John should do is if the councillor are reneging on their um, agreement with him. Well, he thinks they are. Well, he should look at the administration. So, yeah. John, we're trying to solve the problem here. <laughs> look, look at the administration. Look at the contract. And if the council are reneging, then is it is the council's duty yeah. to remove the art if they want to do some nice landscaping, um, because it is changing the art. You, if we went into, let's say, um, I don't know, the Louvre. And the Mona Lisa was hung upside down. There'd be a public <laughs> outcry. It's exactly the same. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Yes, no, removing it. I, I've not heard that one come up. I know that he, the idea was to get the landscape put back, mm. and certainly mm. the soil removed from going halfway yeah. up the side of it. I mean, that's a bit like half burying a Henry Moore or something. It's a bit. It, it kind of is, really. but then it depends really on the specifics of the art artwork. So another artist might say, "Well, I want to be completely hands off." Mm. and we will see what happens. And yeah. if the council wants to landscape it, that's just another chapter in yeah. the long history of No, I mean, work. I think there are artists who probably have really learnt how to, what you could say, play the game. And I don't mean that in, in a cynical way. I mean, yeah. they've learnt how to, to make art, which kind of actually is about these things. And, I mean, there's a guy called Mark McGowan, and he did a piece which which was about, um, I think it was called a Tap Left On or something like that. And... Mm. And his his public, the the way the art became public was because it was actually aimed at the media. So his his yeah. area of public sphere was the, was the was the papers and the news mm. and and getting his work to appear. Yeah, I have out a lot. There. Now, it's not sculpture. A lot of problems with that. It's not work, sculpture. Actually, I have a lot of problems with with that work because I feel that it's about um, the media rather than about an artwork, and I think there's. Um, a lack of generosity in this work. It's not about thinking through questions, engaging ideas. It's pure, I don't know, 
promotion of an idea. Oh, it absolutely relies on the, and on hype and, and yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I only mentioned because it, because it was it was described as a kind as a kind of other public area. You mm. know, a bit like I was mentioning the internet. I mean, yep. it's just prodding away, really. But <laughs> no, no. But, but in terms of your the sculptural becoming more a form of um, activity, you know, mm. testing, being able to test it and bring interest and debate. Mm. Uh, what's the what's the form at which you think? Because if you make it less permanent, I mean, do, do you have examples of people who you think are managing in the temporary sculptural mm-hmm. way? I mean, obviously we've mentioned Munster, and there's documentary as well, which mm. might have sculpture in it, and again is temporary event. I mean, in Britain. Um, what, what examples do we have, do you think, of, of other temporary... I mean, there are big things like Biennales happening all the time, aren't there, aren't there, with yeah. things that happen... The, you know, look at Liverpool Biennale and this Folkestone Triennial... Liverpool, Folkestone... Um, and I think most periodic exhibitions will now have something in the public sphere. But I think we have to always come back to the fact that public art is art. So if you and I are running a city, if we are local councillors, let's say, and we're going to commission an artist to make a piece of public sculpture, we have to ensure that that work is doing a useful job on its site in the realm of public art, but it needs to be such a good piece of work that it could sit in the most prestigious museum context. Um, And I think so often that is forgotten. Um, that the work is not necessarily at, I don't know, dare I say it, museum standard, because it's just public art. Right. You mean the quality all round is lower than it should be? The quality of um, the producing the artwork, so the example you were just talking about, John's Big Stones, Mm. that's an example of that. Um, But also the artist herself or himself needs to make sure that their work is as strong as it could possibly yeah. be. I think that's that's fundamental to thinking about art. Yeah. Um, rather than being something that, oh, well, it's good enough. It'll look nice in the pictures. No one's going to see it anywhere. So you're talking really about a kind of learning lesson for all those that are in a commissioning position. I think so. To, and, and artists too. And for artists. For artists to say... No, if it's not right yeah. to do a piece of work. And then it's also about how many people see the work as well. So there was a great project quite a few years ago that Tate St. Ives did where Adam Chodsko made a series of billboards on the coastal path um, in the environments of, in the environs of Tate St. Ives. And not that many people would see it, but it was still public art. It's still really made a difference. Or we could have something like we have here in, in London with the fourth plinth, something that so many people see again and again. Or we can have Munster sculpture projects where you have works that are there for a, a knowing audience, an art audience, but also for a local audience as well. Yeah. I mean, just without going into it too much, but Folkestone... Triennial, which obviously is every three years. Mm. My understanding of it is that there are works there that 
were there three years ago and six years ago. Mm. I think there's a Mark Wallinger piece. Which there's is... a Mark Wallinger. There's a really great A.K. Dolvin piece that's yeah. still there. And were they always planned to be permanent, do you think? Or have they be- just become that? I'm not quite sure what the commissioning process was. I, yeah. That Mark's one sounds like it was probably... Well, actually, I can answer this with um, information. Um, So (laughs) I I was very um, privileged to be invited to speak at a conference on the opening weekend at the Folkestone Triennial. And it was discussed there that all of the works, rather like Munster, actually, are commissioned to be impermanent. And then the local um, foundation that runs the Sculpture Triennial um, and the local council can then choose to purchase a work. Okay, um, so maybe one at a time. Well, maybe one at a time. Maybe, I mean, there's a bu- must be a budgetary a limit anyway. There, there must be, but it's also, I think, a good way of doing things in terms of for the artist, um, that you're commissioned to do something and then you may or may not yeah. choose for it to become permanent. And I think this year's um, Folks and Tri- Triennial, for me, is is a little bit tricky. Um, in, in terms of this, this permanence and impermanence factor? I mean, whether, whether you thought you, you just think there wasn't any sculpture there that would last and could stay, or you just didn't really like what, what you saw? Or? I think for me, this, um, this Folkestone Triennial, it didn't really feel to be asking questions and contributing right. to this debate. It was much more saying, well, here's some work. Yeah. And rather than it making one cross or excited or argumentative, it seemed very um well here we are. Yeah. Did the works not, and the works with, with works selected necessarily didn't bounce off each other too much. I did for not me, much conversation going across. Yeah, in my yeah. subjective opinion. Yeah, no, no, that, no you're allowed to have that. that. Didn't. You're am a human I, being. Yes, absolutely good. definitely. <laughs> in, my, in my opinion, that, that didn't happen this year sure and so i feel it didn't move debates forward in terms of the the works there are a lot of interesting debates around it through the public programs um but in terms of what was there i have to say i felt a little bit dissatisfied it's like going to i don't know someone's house for dinner and leaving and still being a bit hungry (laughs) afterwards nice analogy (laughs) It doesn't happen to me much. I got offered seconds when I went to someone's house last time. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, actually, are you sure that's okay? Because that might be your lunch tomorrow. Are you, can we really have more? And they said, yes, you can have more. Just so, think that poor host <laughs> is really hungry <laughs> yes. at this time. No yes. packed lunch. Sorry, Georgia. Um, anyway, <laughs> but the principle of Folkestone, um, the design of the, the triennial, uh, is it like Munster? I mean, are we talking, uh, is the UK trying and managing or in some way succeeding to adopt with these things because in you know germany's been is very good at mm-hmm. i mean these things were happening in germany and we're talking about in the 70s mm-hmm. and in the 50s actually um yeah. wasn't um uh, what's it not sorry i've gone blank on what, which bit i'm talking about there's two big things happening there's Docu- monster documenter documenter started in the fif- yeah. 50s didn't that's it that's right now i think so i think folkestone and munster are two very different beasts because they have two very different starting points. So Munster um, was an idea by um, Busman, who was the director of the main museum within Munster. And there was a lot of local antipathy to modern sculpture 
in the 1970s. So what he did, and I think this is a genius move, instead of saying, oh dear, no one really likes modern sculpture, so I'll stop presenting it, he said, I'm going to educate the local city population and get them to think about modern sculpture. So he made an exhibition of modern sculpture and with um, his his colleagues, with Caspar Koenig, bought it into the city. Out of the museum? Out of the museum to raise So they the couldn't base. ignore it, really? They couldn't so ignore it. So rather than go, oh, you don't like it, uh, uh, we did a little bit, you don't really like yeah. it, or back off, it's, he thought, no. Here it is. Let's more. think about and it. And it went down all right. And it over time, yeah. it now is much loved by the city. Folkestone is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I was Be- interested in comparing the UK. And I mean, it, it's, it's like comparing, I don't know, apples to... Yeah. I mean, do you think it's a silly thing to try to do to make no, comparison? No, I, I, I don't so, think it's, it's a silly thing to do because I think it shows um, the different starting points. I think the Folkestone Triennial is really tied up with um, a gentrification agenda within Folkestone. So... And nice, not, nicely put, regener, regeneration. Yeah, regeneration, gentrification. I don't mean this in a pejorative no. way, well. way at all. It's about trying to make um, a faded holiday town somewhere that can be a great place to live. And Folkestone is fantastic. It's by the sea. It's got great transport connections, all, all of this. Um, and that is very, very important. But is the art providing a service to a particular location? Or... Is the art there to be on its own terms? Right. And, and the latter is what you'd prefer, yes. is what you're saying. For me, yes. What was the town that was near Munster that, that started off having sculptures commissioned by its local um, and was in the design? In, like when it was redesigned, possibly after the war, they put lots of sculpture in. And, oh, and, and then, yeah. and then uh, that actually was, was done in a rather more conventional way, that's I think right. you were saying in your, so, in your piece. And so then this is the, the town of Marl. Marl, that's it. And Marl is... Which I thought ma- was a planet, by the way. Is ma- <laughs> Marl with an L. Sorry, Marl. <laughs> this is about an hour away from Bunster. And Marl um, was a, a city that, following the Second World War, was really trying to build itself through modernism. And sculpture was a part of that rebuilding. And Marl started commissioning sculpture before Munster. However, Munster is a historic, wealthy town. And now we associate Munster with sculpture rather than Marl. And what I think is brilliant about this year's iteration is Munster and Marl are working together right. to think about They're swapping sculpture. Sculpt- sculptures They're sw- from Marl have come to yeah. Munster and vice versa. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but it, I was, it made, you implied, I thought, though, that, that, that Marl really was actually, it's, it's the difference and, the, and its problem mm-hmm. was that its approach was much less interesting in that, in that the way Munster does it, it is more attractive to people thinking about and having their minds stimulated because it's temporary, things come and go, things that it's added mm-hmm. to, whereas theirs was more about try, trying to create an environment which mm-hmm. was like a, a pleasant, modernist place to be, mm. where I, the sculptures were like design more, yeah, I, maybe. Sort of. I mean, I think that's right to a certain extent. But I don't think that Marl is better or Munster is no. better. They're two different methods of thinking okay. about sculpture in the city. And what's interesting, and it comes back to what you were talking about with the media and responses and indirect engagement with with public sculpture, 
is we know of Munster, and probably hardly anyone well, knows I heard of Mal before. about Mal. No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't. Really, not, not, not at all. No, Cat Castle documentary, mm, I knew that. Yeah. And I think that's all part of the public realm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Art Monthly, this radio show, Resonance, it all is part of public space. Yeah. And because of that, there's a responsibility that comes with it. Absolutely. Well, I've tried to be responsible <laughs> during this programme. <laughs> I'm sure I've not succeeded fully in covering everything that I wanted to cover. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure there are some things we could still draw on. We have uh, about five minutes. Now, one thing that we haven't mentioned, is the pulling down of sculptures. Now, this is going back a little bit, because we're yeah. talking about sculptures that are uh, basically of people who yeah. are commemorated by mm. being put up on a plinth, of which yeah. we have our Nelson and we have others. And in Charlottesville, in America, um, pulling down sculptures that um, represented slave owners, I think, mm. fundamentally. I thought that was quite an interesting... It reveals the problem with pub- a problem with public yep. sculpture, yep. Yep. which we have had. I mean, I do think that that but the, the, the removal of public sculptures of, say, Nelson or whoever would would be. I mean, what do we do with this thing of we we commemorate something? Mm. Is that art for starters? And the other thing is, if it is, and even if it isn't, what do we do over? changing our ideological changes. Yeah. I mean, I wondered, actually, say when you, suppose you commission a sculpture and it's actually made from, say, resin, right? Mm. Now, we don't know that in 40 years' time we're going to be so ecological yeah. that that fact that it's made of that material yeah. is going to be so abhorrent publicly yeah. that actually people will be saying, we can't have a, a resin sculpture. Yeah. It's, it's unecological. Yeah. Remove it. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. It's quite. I mean, I think it's quite interesting. I think I think it's really interesting, problem, and really. and it's a problem that needs to be addressed through public discussion. So, mm. wh- what do we do? I mean, emotionally, I'm not sure what my position is on this, and mm. rationally, again, I'm not really sure. So, on one level, maybe we should keep this resin sculpture. Maybe we should keep um, these commemorations of figures. Who behaved in a way that is unacceptable now? Now, so that we can remind ourselves mm. of our societies and our forebears' opinions that we have moved away from. So we need to point to that resin sculpture, to that slave owner, and say, "We will never, ever mm. do this again." I think the problem I have is, is that that, that with the, is that when they remain up up on top of a plinth in a high place, mm. which is symbolically mm. meant to be positive yeah. and they don't go away and they're there and they've been there all my mm. life where's the debate happening about them I mean the only reason it's happening in Charleston is because they pulled it down yeah. I mean I don't know I can't remember whether it's true in Russia but there are lots of sculptures that were built during the communist period mm. were I think taken down or removed Or, but, but there are places where there are like graveyards of sculptures mm. and I mean the idea that putting that, that things are not permanent is, I think, a good one, as, mm. we've, as we've probably made our point on. Mm. But they don't have to be thrown away, necessarily. And you could actually, as we do with, say, sculptures in the British Museum, I mean, there are sculptures there from past um, societies and civilizations that, that mm. are not where they were, but mm. we can see them and we can go and consider them for yeah. what they were. And, for what they were. Yeah, and we can do that, we could do that with, with stuff. We, we could, but then... The, so it's not forgotten, is what I mean. The, the symbolic um, destruction 
of a commemorative sculpture to a slave owner, mm. to someone who um, committed crimes against society, against human beings, should they be symbolic, symbolically pulled down, crushed to pieces, mm. um, the media to show this gesture, to indicate that we are moving on from that time. Yeah. I, mean, I understand it, it, which, doing that mm. act of pulling down symbolises that, but to me it's the same sort of... It's just, it's like war with war with war. Yeah. You know, you, you, why if you yeah. don't like war, you don't kill people Mm-mm. who are yeah. who are warmongers. Yeah. That's not the right approach. So in a way, if you don't really approve of commemorative sculptures of people, mm. that's kind of symbol. Pulling one down is another symbol. You're just adding yeah. to the symbol pile. Yeah. So I would yeah. say, but, but by destroying particularly. So mm. so I'm I'm more for let's make it clear that we've moved on by doing something, Mm-mm. but we, we don't necessarily destroy. Which, which comes back to the importance of public discussion, because if you have yes, public yes. discussion, yes. you can remind people that this unnamed figure is someone who did terrible things, um, or even wonderful things. Mm. Um, or both. It's someone else. Frankly, or, I mean, people like Nelson may have yeah, done both. Yeah, and people's um, status within society, they change as the world changes um, and there's individuals who are objectively undeniably those figures cannot be seen as models but perhaps it's where I can't quite believe I'm going to advocate for this um, <laughs> well, don't do perhaps, it, not sure. no 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 perhaps this is where you need to have um, some kind of interpretive material around the sculpture yeah, that yeah. says oh, this well, figure... Well, as you do in a museum, a museum exactly. you do. This figure was celebrated for X reason. Yeah. Today, in 2017, we realise mm. that um, the history of slavery must never happen again. I mean, to my knowledge, that's not the case with sculptures that are, say, in Trafalgar Square. No, or we don't do that yeah. educational mm. addition, yeah. which wouldn't actually be hard to do at all. I don't think it would. And the reason... Whether it's enough, I'm not sure, but it certainly would help. Yeah, I mean, I'm loath to say it because I really believe that when it comes to art, we need to be free to make up our own ideas. But yeah. we need to think about... So if you're singing in a choir, not that I do, you need to be given the right key to sing it. If you're looking at something or learning about something, if you're just given the key within which you can look at this, that's where perhaps you can educate people. And you can say, well, let's just stop and let's ask questions. What does this mean? And if there's no sculpture there in front of you... You can't do you that. You can't do it because it's not there. Yeah. I think on that note of positiveness about sculpture, <laughs> we will end our programme, which has been most enjoyable. Thank you very much, Lisa Lefebvre, for coming in and talking on the Art Monthly talk show. And don't forget, kind listener, you can subscribe to Art Monthly magazine and also digitally, by the way, the whole back catalogue of Art Monthly is available on our website and you can subscribe and have that too. And it's £36 for the print subscription direct debit. Thank you again, Lisa Lefebvre. Thank you. This is Matt Hale saying goodbye. Goodbye.